Hello and welcome to a Taylor's Tales podcast. This is Chris Scott. I'm your host, Chris Taylor, and welcome back to a brand new episode. This week, I'm going to be talking about a couple of things, mainly going to be a mixture of political news, uh, some anime news, some general stuff that I wanted to talk about in general. Not going to be uh, enticing apart from some of the funnier news that I will talk about after the Russian-Ukraine war that's currently raging on at the moment. had a discussion with some of my family recently about it, and I just wanted to get a general uh, sort of like idea out there. Number one is that the news seems to be making out in the West and generally in Europe and in America, that for some reason Russia's losing this war. Now, antagonization like that is crazy to me, because not only is it provoking Putin, who's already a, shall we say, hothead in himself, it's also pushing him to the point where he could utilize the nuclear warheads of 3,000 plus that he has well, I think it's actually, it could be even 30,000. Something mad. Something be with three anyway. <laughs> As you can see, I've clearly researched this. Really got it nailed in on the numbers. Uh, but for Putin himself, like the man, we can't just put him down to he's a madman. You've got to put him down to somebody who's an ex-KGB agent who sees the Russian-Soviet uh, message as the forefront of what he's trying to push forward. So he looks as Ukraine as a part of Russia. Now, Many people have pointed out that the two sectors that he's trying to claim at the moment all speak Russian. So it does make sense that he does want to reclaim it. As someone from the West, I have very little uh, interaction with Eastern Europe and that part of Euro, uh, Euro-Asia part of the world. Uh, but I do have an understanding of Russia's previous history, as you may have seen in my previous Russian history podcast. I have a good understanding of what has happened to be able to get to the point that they're in right now. I didn't do a podcast on... 1960s onwards, which I shall maybe take into account and probably do myself and do some research and do a podcast on that to round us up all the way from 18, uh, 1889 all the way up, in, sorry, no, 1801 all the way up until 2022 to get to where we are now with Russia. And maybe that will give everyone a good understanding of how Russia's got to this point and how the history reflects what they're into now. It's very interesting to see that Russia's currently in a, a war with Ukraine. Similar war happened back in 1904 with Japan over a very specific part of Russia, which was connected and close to the Japanese uh, country at the time. Now, Russia eventually lost that war due to Nicholas I. Nicholas the... Yeah, Nicholas the first oh, ooh, no Nicholas the second the Tsar at the time who was later killed along with his entire family uh, lost that war and was the beginning of the crumbling of the original monarchy within Russia this is a very interesting point because I believe a similar war is raging on right now now Russia as a country is much more uh, militarily militarily intelligent than it used to be it now has the ability to just bombard countries like Ukraine with mi like missiles as you may have seen recently with the gentleman who was uh, basically reporting the news and then missiles are going off and behind him in Kiev which is absolute madness but the whole point of Russia's attack there was to show the West that they're not messing about it was a message not only to Ukraine but to the rest of the world to say civilians or non-civilians we're getting in and we're staying for a while I think also that the the Ru Russia has to save face They've got to show the rest of the world they're weak and they have to win this war. There's no longer a yes or no. It has to be won. 
because they cannot be shown to be a weaker uh, third world country, even though they're a first world country, you see what I mean here, in the sense that they've got the power, they've cut off the lines, they've cut off the energy, they are all in on this. It's a gamble, because the rest of the world are against them, as proven by how many people have come to support Ukraine. Even bloody Switzerland, a neutral country for basically its entire existence, has now come to support Ukraine as well. This is the problem. As well as a positive for many people when the Russia-Ukraine war began, they thought that by supporting Ukraine, they'd be able to give the little guy a little bit of a sort of support mechanism. What's actually done is put Russia into a corner. And by doing so, they are putting Russia into the position where they may have to use nuclear warheads. And you may all be thinking, Chris, what are you talking about? Like, we don't want to hear about this. This isn't the normal positive news. that you. It's more awareness. And it's also to do with Russian history in general. The Russians are a people, proud people. They are a people who have to weather winters that are insane. They are a rugged country of rich history. They do not. And although the news from the West will portray that many people are not enlisting and that the people there do not want to fight, there is also the other side of things that is not reflected in the news, that you have to go out and search yourself, that you will see that people are enlisting, and that people are willing to fight this war. You don't just fight a war when you've got no people to do so. And Russia has also a previous history during World War II where they will throw numbers, and they will not care about that. Now, is Putin Stalin? Not necessarily. I actually think Putin's probably a little bit less maniacal, <laughs> less less catastrophically evil than Stalin, in the sense that there was a little, maybe a little more likely to communicate with the West, and a little bit more likely to, you know, parlay do business, you know? The Russian oligarchs were a signal of that, the end of that. We used to be able to have these people scattered throughout the West and invest in these countries and therefore have Russian power within the countries and actually connections to Putin and ways to almost manipulate him in some ways. You may not think that, you may think the other way, that he's able to manipulate us. It goes both ways, it's a double-edged sword, but it was still a connection. And now there's no longer these things, we have cut roots, and this is probably... I think it was Tulsi Gabbard, who was on the Joe Rogan Experience recently, said that this is probably the most nuclear-prone we've ever been in history. And I term, I do agree. It is. It's almost like, and except in the 1950s and 60s, at least the US, the UK, Europe were preparing for nuclear war. There was a lot more shelters. There was a lot more preparation. You would see those school videos for what to do when the nuclear uh, bomb was going to be hit on schools. None of this is happening right now. The only two places that I've heard of that are, have actually had any sort of um, messages put out, New York and obviously the incident in Hawaii and in Japan. These two places, obviously with Northern Korea, putting missiles over Japan, all of these things come together as a very, like it's a tense time. So from what I'm trying to get across right now is it's a time for you to all be very much aware of the normal life is, is ticking by, but there's also this in the background that you have to have a, a general gist of. I'm not some, normally doing podcasts on the, like this, but I do want to give a historical background behind it, that this is very important 
to the Russian government. I'm not, I can't speak for the people because we don't know the people's ideas. We don't have a general gist of it. Social media over there is very different to how it is over here. There is a lot more, it's a lot more difficult to be able to get people's personal opinions across. We are very lucky, the luck, I'm lucky that I'm able to speak my mind without having the secret police outside, you know? And it's the same in the US, it's the same here, and it's the same in a lot of Western countries. Freedom of speech is a big thing. English common law is powerful for many reasons, and this is one of them. But, bringing it back to fun, I did want to point out something that is funny about the Russian-Ukraine war, and how, as I said earlier, the Americans are putting a quite hot media focus on them. But one of the things that made me laugh was the BBC article. Ukraine are winning the meme war. Now... <laughs> If that doesn't strike you as stupid beyond stupid, I don't know what is. Their idea was this. And you can look up this. I'll, I'll tag the article in the description below. The article was this, that basically Ukraine has the best branding when it comes down to social media. They talked about a specific person within the Ukrainian, um, like, not government, but somebody who was trying to get support for Ukraine through social media. And that this one was in a IT-based environment, getting loads of people to be able to spread the word of Ukraine. And that they were winning the, U the social media war of getting support for Ukraine and sending the memes out there. Now, nothing made me laugh more than seeing that, like the comparison between, you know, the New York Times saying that Russia and uh, Ukraine is, is uh, are losing the war to Ukraine. Come on, Ukraine, they're going this way. You've got the Daily Express saying Ukraine and Russia, it's going to hell. They're blowing each other apart. And then the BBC is just putting memes. <laughs> <laughs> it's just mad. It's so funny. I do, do get me wrong. The BBC are normally quite, um, they're conservative. They are very factual in most places. And yes, there's opinions on there but you have, that you have to sort of pick and choose out of. But most of the time, it's a reliable source of news in terms of being able to get across what you're you're trying to find uh, but nothing made me laugh than some of the woke stuff that you see on the news nowadays and that was hilarious seeing the the ukraine uh basically winning this war through social media advertising <laughs> so yeah that if you know obviously me talking about the historical behinds something fun like that that's got a light in your day up isn't it that there's some writer out there who thought it was more important to talk about the fact that the social media side of things in Ukraine is really giving Ukraine the upper hand rather than their military tactics. <laughs> oh dear, some people love it. Gotta love it. Moving on. Something even funnier happening in the news recently. And maybe this is sort of shoved under the rug. Maybe it's a very British orientated thing. But the British Bake Off recently got called racist by the New York Times for culturally, culturally, culturally appropriating Mexican week. <laughs> And I found this typically extremely funny for me personally because I looked into it and just saw that the person was roasting uh, the British Bake Off for uh, both the two main presenters uh, who, like both comedians, like Mark Mark and, um, I forgot his name, he's the, the presenter of the Mighty Boosh, he was the lead in the Mighty Boosh, but anyway, that's not the point, they were both dressed up in sombreros and Mexican attire, you know who's not talking about how this is being racist? Mexico, 
<laughs> no one cares. Because if you actually interview people who are Mexican, they love seeing other people wear the culture. You know who is talking about this? I'm writing a New York Times article on this. It's somebody who is not, <laughs> who lives in the in America. And to me, oh, a few moments later. And we're back. Sorry after being rudely interrupted uh, there by a conversation. I had to pick up a phone call there for those who care. Uh, anyway, back into what I was saying about the American writer about talking about the British Bake Off being racist. The irony is, is that Britain has culturally appropriated stuff for many, many generations and no one talks about it really. I mean, the joke is, what are you going to do? Put people in jail? They're going to take Mary Berry and put her in jail for using the Chinese takeaway recipes. What are they? What's next? Like, genuinely, like, what can you... Let's say one of the keystones to British food is ironically Chinese and Indian takeaways. No one's talking about that, are they? They're not writing d details about how the entire British culture is basically immigration, you know, being moved in. Just like the Americans are made up of immigrants. It's exactly the same thing. They were formed on this beautiful idea that people could move from other countries into their nation, be moved into a new family, basically, become a family together and share their knowledge. This is why woke culture is hilarious, because the idea of their foundation of their own country is that you share and you celebrate people's culture. And that is what the British Bake Off is doing. They're celebrating Mexican food. They're not friggin' like criticizing Mexico or using some negative connotations for it. They're wearing sombreros and, and the, I forgot what they're called, the, basically the poncho as a celebration of it. And I, as I said earlier, Mexico aren't getting mad because they don't care. Because that is what American media has become, this left-wing silly nonsense that nobody really cares about. I found it hilarious. I don't know if you, the listener, found it interesting to hear stories like this are still out there. Um, I, for me personally, I found this on a whim. It's not big news. It's not going to be big news. But what I find funny is that the New York Times, a meant to be a respectable sort of news outlet that has been in like has been around for many many years, uh, is writing articles on how like television in the United Kingdom is becoming just derogatory to other nations so stupid i say to the british bear keep doing what you're doing there's so many things that you do well i love that show i remember when i when it first came out with paul hollywood and, and mary berry it was brilliant it was one of those things that brought people together it was so wholesome it was so beautiful to see as someone who's the son of of a mother who is a excellent chef and slash baker who I would love to have seen go on the British Bake Off, but she, my mum doesn't really want to be put on live television. She is good enough, and many of my friends and family will attest to this, she's easily good enough to be on there. Um, I would like to say is that it is a fundamental thing. So what are they going to do next? Are the New York Times going to go on Strictly Come Dancing and tell them not to do the samba? Are they going to criticise how they're culturally appropriating Argentina's beautiful dance and derogatorily putting it down for the outfits they wear on national television? No, 
They're not, because it's a celebration of the idea. These people are getting so agitated by, and I say these people, it's, it's one person. Let's be honest, let's be dead honest. When, the, when we say to people, these people, we're not saying a group of people, we're saying about one person, specifically within that group that we're thinking of right now that happens to be within that demographic. When we say these people, they're saying, actually, I've had one experience with one person like this, and it means the rest of you are all fucked for that reason alone. So that's it, I'm cutting off all idea of being able to specify, I'm going to generalize. And that is what today's society in the West has become, a nice little generational generalization of everybody. So this is why I said in the last podcast we should be uniting people. We shouldn't be generalizing into genders or whatever you are sexually, whatever it is, we should be individually appreciating each other and therefore not like there's there's this thing in, in the world where we're telling lies and we've started to become more and more it's okay with that. It's not okay. Tell the truth. Tell the truth. You know, <laughs> I'm going to chuck that meme in there now. Uh, tell the truth. Tell the truth from Will Smith. Uh, and the, this is the thing, is that it's hilarious because if we were to show this to somebody from the 1950s where racism was alive in the in America and in the world, they'd look at it and be like, well, that's stupid. And if you think about that now, like if you think that someone back then would think it's stupid. Imagine what we should be thinking about it now, where we are able to appreciate one another, no matter who who they are. It's becoming too too extreme. It's either both sides of the other, one side or the other. The one side is far too extreme, the other side is far too extreme. We need to have some middle ground. And I'm fine in the center, and I'm gonna stay there forever, because I'm gonna defend the people who are in the middle with me and i think that's what should happen we should join join in the center and appreciate that each side has as a view and you're not always going to agree that's the one thing that um i wish i'd been taught at school is that when you're having a debate you're not there to convince the person you're merely there to express your opinion we're going to listen to each other going to take on board what the other person said doesn't mean you're going to agree after that discussion and I think this is where we're all going wrong. We're all going out of our way to try and convince the other person that they're wrong, they're in the wrong, and that therefore they need to submit to my power. No. <laughs> I did. You know what's funny is I, I think I got that um, idea from Green Books by Matthew McConaughey when he was in Africa, and that he realised his Americanisms were flowing out of him, and that these two gentlemen were having a conversation with differing opinions and Matthew came in and tried to defend one side and express it to the other and try and convince the other guy and the gentleman said to him no we're not here to convince we're here to just discuss that's it and if and these two guys were in a tribe in Africa out of civilization out of technology they were just two gentlemen having a discussion it says everything you need to know you take away the technology we're still human still there anyway on to some more positive news and me not getting too serious on this point my god it was far too serious for my liking there wasn't it let's get up some of the notes of what i was going to talk about uh ah yes of course something fun for you anime lovers out there for those who aren't anime why not why have you not watched some anime yet get out there do your homework get out of here stop listening to this podcast right now you go watch some anime right now and that anime to start with is bleach Bleach is back, ladies and gentlemen. It is 
One of the original big three, Naruto, One Piece, and, and Bleach. Well, it's back, and it's better than ever. And the first episode was premiered and featured on Disney Plus last fr- Thursday, Friday. I want to say Thursday. Last Thursday. And it's epic. It's everything you want out of it. My sister and I were joking uh, about the fact that Ichigo and Chad basically destroy a whole building and everything around them just to kill some <laughs> some some demons. Oh, I forgot what they're called actually. That's made me they Soul Reapers kill hollows. Thank you. They were killing hollows, right? And they basically Chad just kills four hollows at the same time by punching them all at once. And then the punch destroys the outside of a building which increases a massive skull on it and i love the logic behind bleach and the idea that ah yes i've destroyed hollows to save people but i've destroyed public property and they just never talk about it it's so funny it's just like yeah me me big fist me boom boom bang no con no like oh there's no nothing in the news the next day saying massive skull on side of building why (laughs) but apart from that it's like coming home it is like coming home to a just like you feel when you come home you come home to the recipes the smell of bread the smell of your childhood there's there's many nostalgic things that come to you coming back to bleach is like coming back to the nostalgia the childhood vibe to it for many of you who've who've watched it in the past will know that it is such a fun show in the main characters of orihime ichigo urio chad like those four they've got this beautiful relationship in the the first episode as well where they're all taking the mick out of ichigo for not eating this beautiful bread that orihime's made and it's these little things these little details that make you want to watch a show when you've got likable characters when you've got bad guys who come in and are taken the piss out of by the main character and it's fun it's funny and it's silly and then it becomes serious within a snap of the fingers and it becomes into a battle and it, then you go into this blood and gore, and they've they've taken off the restraints for the show, and they're making it. And R, it's got to be R-rated. It's got to be R-rated or 15 plus uh, in the UK. It is got like some guy's arm gets chopped off, and like blood like just gushes out of it uh, in right at the end of the episode, as well as someone getting basically like a not a sword of light but just getting absolutely penetrated by this giant sword of light through the chest with it like blood gushing out of it so they're making this bleach knowing their audience knowing that they want to see the full thing they want to see the craziness behind bleach they want to see the hollows being absolutely carnivorous they want to see the hot the soul reapers having these massive swords fighting and clashing and they want to see characters that they love and a little bit of fun at the same time. A new design and new animation. And I think that's exactly what the creators of Bleach have done. And they are absolutely killing it. And if they can continue this, this just continuation, what they've done here as well. I'd like to point out what they've done is that they've taken what the fans love and they've continued with it. There's been very few shows at the moment that have been able to listen to their audience Put the content that the audience wants out there because those are the people who are going to be watching it. It's not going to be some new viewer. Getting new viewers nowadays for a franchise is very difficult. They know this. To be able to retain an audience should be their main objective. It's like with a credit card. The credit card companies, getting new customers is the hardest thing they have to do. But retaining a customer is easier than getting new customers. These Franchises should be focusing on retaining customers 
not trying to get new ones. That's what Lord of the Rings, uh, the Rings of Power failed at. They failed to please the current like audience, which is their main audience, and it may have got many viewers for the first episode, but it will get absolutely obliterated in terms of quality by critics, and it will continue to do so, and it will be the biggest flop of the century in terms of money to ratio of quality. They spent so much money on trying to make it Tolkien's world that they forgot to write good dialogue. It's just like that. And that's why Bleach is so good, because they focused on what the people love and they are going to bring it back. And I cannot wait to see the Thousand Year Blood War in its peak. 44 episodes of absolute carnage. It's all on Disney+, Plus, which is crazy to say. I was expecting it to be on Crunchyroll, um, which is normally where all the anime is. But they've got it on Hulu in America, they've got it on Disney Plus in America, and they've got it on Disney Plus here in the UK. Uh, and I don't know where it, what it's like in Asia at the moment. I think on Japan it's just aired on television. Um, but apart from that, just absolutely incredible. New animations looking magnifique. And I am super hyped about seeing the brand new episodes that are going to be featured week on week. And you'll hear from me when I've watched the entire series on analysis for the series. Maybe we'll get to episode 22. We'll do like a part one analysis and then a part two analysis once the uh, full season has come out. But I think that they can do no wrong at the moment in my eyes. They've brought it back. They've brought one of the big three back. And they've brought it back with style. And that's all that matters. And so let's hope for no filler on that one. Finally bringing it back to moi aussi <laughs> and while we talked about the news we've talked about some silliness we talked about bleach i want to talk a little bit about the, how this podcast is going to go next week for those who've made it into the podcast all the way to this you deserve a little bit of a preview of what's happening next week next week i will be in a brand new area brand new apartment and i will be in a brand new environment now i'm hoping that i can get myself a chair in there and a nice new background to be able to complement the podcast i will be building a new set i will be building a set that will be better much better than this like it will no longer be chris's corner with just some red coloring some wood and a wall in it in a black me sitting on a black chair i'm going to try my best to make the quality of this podcast go up even further now that we're in the into the second hundred of the podcast it is down to me to be able to make it as like the best i can and i will invest in new equipment when uh monetarily i can make sure that that investment is made and i will make it the highest priority in terms of what I'll do in my spare time to be able to invest in. So you've got that. You also, for next week's episode, I will be doing a, an experiment. I have messaged a few people so far, but I think this is a good idea. I'm doing a Tinder experiment. The Tinder experiment is this. I will, I've messaged, I want to say 50 so far, 50 individual women, all of whom place their Instagram tags on uh, their Tinder. The whole idea of this experiment is to figure out why people put their tag in their in, in their Tinder profile. When Tinder is used for dating, but they put their Instagram in there to take you out of the dating app rather than be in the dating app. It's a silly experiment. I just want to have a look and ask people why, why they do that, what they think they're getting out of it, how effective it is. All of these questions I hope to get answers for in the next episode. Um, by then, I'll have messaged 150 individual women to see what their opinions are and we'll go from there and i'll be able to give you the results so for those who've made it into this far into the podcast you've got something to look forward to next week and you've got a little bit of snippet a sneak peek into what will come for the following episode 
what we can say here is this is the final episode uh, in Wiltshire and it's been crazy to think we're in episode 106 now 106 of these episodes have been filmed all over the world because I can say that I filmed filmed them in Europe I filmed them in the US I filmed them in Mexico uh, and I filmed them like throughout Wiltshire as well and I hope to be able to do more and more traveling where I'm doing these podcasts all over the world I hope to take it to Australia I hope to take it to New Zealand and to be filming them as in as many places Japan as well I will definitely get over there next year uh, so all of these places I'll be taking the podcast to so you've got that to look forward to as well uh, I will also be trying to generate a little bit more structure through the podcast instead of doing a lot of these podcasts on the fly as you can see the ones that take a little bit more time like me editing together uh, other podcasters into the podcast or doing them with friends excuse me they take a little bit more time to edit the ones that I do on the fly like these ones are a lot easier to put together and release quite quickly. Uh, the ones that also take the longest are the ones where I have to do experiments like this and do a lot of research to be able to get uh, the Tinder video for instance takes a while to be able to get their data behind it to be able to properly have data behind it and me not just giving you statistics that are full, full of shit. <laughs> so that is the main thing there is to provide you the listener with an actual you know, solid rock of evidence and solid information that I've gone out and researched as well as um, edited something together that's a bit of fun, a bit of take you out of your normal life and enjoy because that's what it's like. This is what these podcasts are meant to be. You're meant to be the extra person in this room with me right now. That is it. That's the idea. And that was the same reason why I love the Joe Rogan experience so much was because I was the like the fly on the wall listening in to the conversation, listening in and learning something new or just having a laugh at someone else's expense i hope you guys have a laugh at my expense from time to time oh god i said you guys you the listener i'm never saying that i've, I've discussed this with friends and family i i can't stand the use of the phrase you guys to an audience it just generalizes you too much you're an individual god damn it <laughs> so thank you very much for listening to this point if you've made it this far fair enough like well played you're one of the strong ones uh, and I'd really appreciate you getting to this point. So, this has been a Taylor's Tales podcast. This has been Chris's Corner. I've been your host, Chris Taylor. And as always, I hope to see you this time next week. Bye now. <laughs>